From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Project Podcast. I am Brad Robinson. We are here with podcast number 99. And we're going to talk about the last step, step number seven, in the anxiety recovery journey. Now, I'm going to do a Q&A podcast episode coming up. So send me your questions via YouTube and you can hashtag TAPP, which stands for the Anxiety Project Podcast. So hashtag TAPP, send me in your question, or you can go to unpluganxiety.com and under podcast, you can send me a podcast topic or you can just send me a question via my website. Anywhere on my website, even under the contact, you can send me your question. I'll get it via email and I'll put it on the show. So that is exciting, something to look forward to. And this episode, we talk about accepting setbacks, a huge part of the anxiety journey, the recovery journey. Every part that we've talked about is necessary to overcome anxiety. So let's just recap on what we talked about so far. Uh, Step number one was taking on responsibility. Step number two, getting yourself knowledgeable. What is anxiety? And how do you overcome anxiety? And then step number three is determine your goals. What's your aim? What does the new you look like? What are your goals for the next three months? How are you going to overcome anxiety? Step number four, creating new habits. Step number five, model after someone positive Step number six, facing your fears. That's the one we talked about last week where you venture off into that unfamiliar territory. You face the panic attacks head on and you don't run away and you're facing your own mortality and thus you become stronger mentally when you overcome those stressful situations, you start to look at yourself differently. And once you start to look at yourself differently, this new belief system starts to formulate. You then think, oh, wait, if I can handle this, then I can handle this other stressful situation. And then your perspective over yourself shifts. You start to view yourself as this strong person mentally and then also physically. And so that's really cool. Step number seven, accepting setbacks as you move forward. And let's talk about these keywords, moving forward. Now, this is the maintenance stage. And I get asked, you know, Brad, do you suffer from anxiety now? at any point, and I say no. And I'm always maintaining the new me 
across time. I know there's the me an hour from now, later today, tomorrow, the new me a week from now, the new me a month from now. And I do what I can today, right now, to benefit that future Brad. I avoid sugar. I avoid carbohydrates that I know will impact my mental health later on in the day. And it's the sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice now in order to benefit that future you? I'm willing to sacrifice that time with the negative friend. I'm willing to sacrifice that junk food, the processed food. I'm willing to sacrifice the video games or the TV for enhancing my knowledge via reading or going for a walk rather than sitting around and going on YouTube. I'm sacrificing those instant gratifications to something that my future self would benefit from. And I'm always maintaining the future Brad in the present moment. So the new habits I created for myself help me to stay mentally sharp and physically healthy. I have daily routines that maintain my mental and physical health. If I break them, then I'm breaking myself. I'm breaking who I am because those routines make up my identity. Would you tell The Rock to skip his daily workout? Or would you tell the Dalai Lama to skip his uh, meditation session? I don't think so. Of course not, because those things make up who they are. And they those routines help the rock, help the Dalai Lama, help these successful people in general maintain their mental health and their physical health because they know that there's this future self. My daily routine prepares me for what's to come during the day. If there's something stressful that I know is coming, I can actually prepare myself for that stressful thing. I know that there's this future Brad who has to venture off into that stressful scenario. So I'm like, okay, what can I do now to help that Brad in that scenario? What can I do? Well, I can journal about it. I can plan it out. I can plan out my day so that I can be prepared for that stressful scenario. I can do a manifestation meditation and imagine myself in that scenario the way I want it to go. And I never miss a day of my routine. I never miss a day. And even when I was working 16, 17 hour days in the film industry on film sets years ago, I would meditate at five in the morning in my car outside of the film studio because I wanted to go early to beat traffic and I was sleep deprived. I only got like 
maximum four and a half to five hours of sleep a night. I'd get there early and then I would meditate in my car and then I would journal in my car because no matter what, I wouldn't miss that meditation session or that journaling session. That's my routine. That makes up who I am. That prepares me for the stress I was expecting to face on the film set because I knew it was going to be a long day and I was preparing myself. And, and I knew that if I skipped it, then I'm just going to, that future Brad is going to have an even more difficult time. And so there shouldn't be an excuse to miss your routine, to maintain your mental health and your physical health. And I know that I could slip back into my old ways, my old ways of thinking, but I've developed this ever-changing mindset that I'm always challenging myself. I know that I have to continue challenging myself for new neuronal pathways to develop. And even now, I'm challenging myself. I'm reading more and more nowadays so that I can see how much can I actually read? How many books can I read? And so I'm challenging myself, even with the Wim Hof method. I just did a 30-day Wim Hof challenge where I would do the Wim Hof breathing every single day for, for a month just to see, you know, how would I feel after a month? And I felt pretty damn proud and pretty damn good physically and mentally that I did it. And you get that dopamine kick when you accomplish things that are above you. And when you keep doing that, you keep discovering different sides of yourself. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can run six miles. I didn't do that before. And you're just proving to yourself over and over and over again. And that's what I'm doing nowadays. And I can see different sides of myself come about. And I feel better. And I look better. And I'm more mentally on my game. There's beauty in discipline. There's great, great beauty in discipline. There's a great feeling on proving that older you wrong. And you develop more strength. And the more strength you develop, the more willing you will be to tackle life's challenges that always come your way. And once you overcome some things... You believe you can overcome all things. So when I was overcoming my panic attack, especially this is referring to the last podcast episode, Facing Your Fears, when I would overcome a panic attack at the symphony or in a classroom, I felt braver, just a little bit more than I did before. And then I was more willing to go into anxiety-producing situations over and over and over again. 
because I kept proving to myself that I do have the strength, that I won't die in these situations. My old self was highly sensitive to the world, and I would avoid all situations that would cause me stress. And the recovery journey does involve a lot of setbacks because you're going to be bad at it. That's the thing to remember is you're going to be bad at it. When you start to learn something new, if I was to go take jujitsu tomorrow and I started, I'm going to be so bad at jujitsu. It wouldn't even be funny. I'm going to be a fool at it. But you have to be willing to become the fool in order to overcome those obstacles and then become the master. So when you, like for instance, when I started to quit caffeine, coffee, I was a huge coffee drinker. I got coffee with two cream, two sweetener, the whole deal, and it made me feel pretty damn nice. And when I started to quit, I I would like have a coffee and then skip a day and then have another coffee. I found it really challenging. But then I also discovered that, you know what? I have to look at it differently. You know, even though I skipped a day of not having a coffee and then had a coffee, that's half a week of improvement compared to the last week where I had coffee every day, right? So I'm already improving half a week. And then I would push myself to go more days without coffee. And then I would change my coffee to half decaf, half caffeine. And then I would change my coffee to half decaf, half caffeine, and then no cream and no sweetener. And then I would change it to black decaf. And it was challenging because at first I didn't like it at all. But I kept pushing myself and pushing myself. And then I saw the benefits of reducing my caffeine because I was lessening the fuel I was putting on to my anxiety. And that was really, really cool. Now, you may recognize that when you do have a setback, that you feel the guilt and the shame. And it's true. Every time I would have a setback, I would feel like I was betraying this part of myself. That that when I went and had this setback, I was lying to myself. And I shifted my perspective when I would have this setback. And that if I didn't have this setback, I wouldn't have learned the lessons and I wouldn't have developed this drive to move forward towards that aim, my future self. So these setbacks allowed me to add more fuel on why I should overcome and continue going forward, overcoming anxiety and going forward and forward. And I would have a setback and then I would be like, man, I wish I was still in on that other path, the path that I was on yesterday. I wish I was still there. And then I, that would, I would be like, well, tomorrow's a new opportunity. I can readjust right now and then keep on pushing forward and try again. And keep going because I don't like this path. 
And these setbacks make you realize that this path that is supporting your old self sucks. It's just each time you have that setback, setback, you're like, oh, wow, this path sucks. I wish I was on the other path, the one, the recovery path. And that's what's cool about setbacks, right? So, and that's the thing. We always have setbacks, no matter what you're doing. If you're learning a new language, if you're driving a car for the first time, if you're taking a new course, Whatever it is, there's going to be those days where you don't want to do it. You're going to slip back. You're going to procrastinate. But when you do, it's important to recognize how crappy it is to slip back to your old ways. Going back to the other path. Now, when you do have a setback, those new role models that you adopted and you look up to help you get over that setback hump. And hopefully the role models, role models push you to be better. If you have that setback and then you go to that negative friend, they may support your setback in the wrong manner because deep down they may feel better that you're down where they are and not improving. The recovery road is always a zigzag journey. It's always. You have your aim, your goals, but moving towards it is up and down. Because you've already set your goals, what you want to achieve in three months to overcome anxiety. You've put overcoming anxiety at the top of your values list, which I did when I first began. And I, I self-improvement, self-growth was never something that I had an aim for. It just came about because I reached rock bottom. My body was telling me, Brad, you need to change. And so I set this aim, okay, overcome anxiety in three months. What do I have to do? And then I just had to subject myself to those role models and those new habits. And it just became top priority in my life because of reaching that rock bottom. I was unconsciously spiraling downwards for such a long time. So it's always going to be a zigzag journey to overcome anxiety because it's this new endeavor that you've placed upon yourself, these new, these new goals. And the thing is, when you have that setback, at least you weren't where you were yesterday. Recognizing that is huge. Someone recovering from anxiety They'll have a difficult week. And in my session with them, I'd say, well, how was it compared to the you before you started this journey? And then they'd say, well, before it was so much worse. And it's easy to lose touch of where you came from. But it's always important to go back there where you came from and then looking at the progress 
And then once you look at the progress, you'll get that dopamine kick. Like, wow, look at me. You know, things have gotten 30% better. That's really good. 30% better is amazing. And that's going to keep the drive going so that you can get to 50% or not even that. It's like 35% and then 40%. Keep on going. The more setbacks, the more you know what not to do. The recovery journey, it takes time, it takes discipline, and it takes perseverance. Make it your highest value, like I said before. Make it your highest value because once you change your internal world, everything external will shift. Things in your life will become better. Your relationships, you may even... have more drive to get the job you've always wanted and get out of the job that's causing you misery. And I never planned on having anxiety recovery at the top of my values. I had to take on that responsibility. And when I did, my life started to become better. It takes courage to admit that things could be a lot better and that you're flawed. It takes great courage. And you can see in The Lion King where Simba is being a bumbly fool with his dopey friends, you know, not taking on any responsibility, living the good life, singing Akuta Matata, right? And there's one point where Simba looks up to the stars And he's looking for some answers. And then Rafiki shows up, the shaman. And this is really cool. He guides him. He's like, come with me. Come with me into the the deep, dark jungle area. And that represents the darkest parts of Simba. You know, Simba looks up to the stars and he is looking for the answer and asks himself. That's what's so cool about it. He asks himself what to do. He's looking to the highest point in the sky, the aim. And then the shaman shows up. So it's the voice within you that emerges and then guides you to the woods, the deepest, darkest parts of you, because you have to venture into the deepest, darkest parts of yourself to find the answers. So so at that point, the shaman guides him into the woods. Simba's crawling under these thorns and branches. And then he, the shaman guides him to this pool, this puddle. And then Simba looks into the puddle. And then what's so cool is um, that Simba says something about his father. And how I I think something about how he misses his father, but what's so cool about it is the the shaman's like uh, Rafiki. He's like he's very much alive within you. So Simba looks into the pool, and the pool represents Simba's unconscious mind because he looks in it and he sees himself. But then Rafiki's like, look deeper, and then he looks deeper. And then the image of his father comes about. 
and the f- image of his father and Simba's face are almost identical, right? But you, see, I love the transition because you see Simba's uh, weak-looking face. You know, he's very agreeable and he's not strong. The the, the expression on, on his face clearly represents that. But then the water ripples and then you see the hardened look of his father and he had to reach deeper within his own unconscious mind to pull out what he could be, the image of what he could be. And that is really cool. He sees the man that he could be, but he had to venture off to the deepest, darkest parts of him to bring about that image. And that's what we do during the recovery process we have to reach down and take on that responsibility by coming to that realization that, oh my God, I am flawed. I'm not the man I could be. I'm not the woman I could be. I could be so much more. And that's what Simba realizes. And that Simba's strength was always there. Simba had just, he just had to look deeper for that strength. We have to look deeper within ourselves because the strength is there. It needs to come forward. It needs to emerge deep within us. It needs to come forth so that we can prove our old self wrong. Because the more you you develop that discipline, you venture off into the unknown. You face your fears the more that you develops. And then the more that strength develops, the more you're willing to tackle all of life's challenges. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you have any questions, please go to unpluganxiety.com and under contact, ask me any question or hashtag T-A-P-P for me to answer your question on the Anxiety Project podcast. So please send me your questions for a Q&A episode. And remember, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.